All right, we want to uh, greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful to the Lord for everyone that is uh, here today. And uh, we look forward to sharing with you the things that the Lord have laid on our hearts to share. We're grateful to the Lord that uh, Brother Smedley joined us today, made that trip to be here. And we're thankful to the Lord for his, uh, his uh, safe travel. And I thank the Lord also for you all. For your prayers and your support and things like that and we don't take it lightly so you know the bible says that um life and death are in the power of the tongue and uh that's that's a very very of course if, if it's in the word then it's true that life and death are in the power of the tongue and something the Lord brought to me this morning um, that I, I imagine uh, someone may need to correct. Um, most of us in here have lost loved ones, uh, people who we consider near and dear to our hearts. And oftentimes when people lose loved ones, they will make the statement, I'll see you again. Now, if life and death are in the power of the tongue, how many of you know where I'm going? And you have said that your love for them don't make them go to heaven. And if you say in your heart or with your mouth, I'll see you again, then what have you pronounced on yourself? And you could spend years and years spinning that wheel trying to figure out what's going on with your walk with the Lord, why you can't seem to get above a certain point, and you know why your growth is stagnated. But if you've made that statement, now that's, there's <laughs> only one person in this world that the Lord has shown me, actually a couple of people that the Lord has shown me that made it to heaven, that have gone already. Everybody else, I don't care how they looked on the outside. I don't, everybody understand, I don't care what they were doing for the Lord. That's something I will not say unless the Lord have shown me their destination. Everybody understand? I, I'd have to know that. I don't care how clean they lived on this side as far as what eyes can see. And so we have to be careful when we say something like that because you will not see them again if, if you're going to heaven and they're going to the other place or vice versa. Everybody understand? And so that's something we have to think about if we've made that statement. You know, and, you know, and we're talking about according to God's standard about whether folks make it to heaven or not, not according to whether they were a good person or, you know, because if you let most of the world tell it, everybody going to heaven. If I love them, they're going to heaven. <laughs> and as much as I love my family and friends, I'm not convinced that all of us are going there. Everybody understand? I'm not a fool. 
Everybody understand? Jesus Christ himself said that. That wide is that way, that road that leads to destruction. That's a wide road. It says narrow is the way. Everybody understand? So he right there letting us know it's going to be more people going to hell than heaven. Now, that's, that's guaranteed. He said it himself. And unfortunately, today, churches have done people a disservice in that matter. You know, if we were a church that had funerals and brought dead bodies in here, we wouldn't be bringing your dead carcass in here if you had gotten shot and killed robbing somebody. Everybody understand? If you died in sin, we wouldn't bring your dead body in here. And what am I going to tell your family? <laughs> everybody understand? So uh, people, just, they put everybody in heaven. You can, it don't matter how you die. You can die just as dirty and crooked if you want. And, and, and they, they put everybody there. If you my loved one and you my child or my mama or daddy, you in heaven. You my cousin, you know, you in heaven. That's not the Bible. Did they have a relationship with God? Everybody understand? If they did, they wouldn't have been out robbing and killing. They wouldn't have died shacking up. And so I don't care how much we love people. Don't you say I'll see you again unless the Lord have shown you where they headed. Everybody understand? <laughs> the Bible says that the righteous will scarcely be saved. That's the perfect and upright man, a man that has no flaws, a man that that is upright before God. The Bible says the, the most righteous, he's going to scarcely be saved. Scarcely. Doesn't it say that? That's in your Bible. The righteous is scarcely saved. So where does the ungodly and the sinner appear? It's, that's what the Bible says. If the righteous are scarcely saved, then where will the ungodly and sinner appear? Everybody see? And so we have to be watchful of that. But people that are saved, they look saved. They live that way. And they're not leaving here because of misunderstandings. Everybody understand? So that's something that, that the Lord wants us to correct if we say that, I, I see you again. You know, that's what give me comfort. I see you. No. I don't want to see you again if we're not going to the same place. I don't want to see you again. Everybody understand? I don't care how I loved you. You had your chance to give your life to the Lord just like I did. And you better get it right on this side. Everybody understand? But we live in a generation where people have no fear of God. They just think they're going to live any kind of way, and then, but they're still going to heaven. That boggles my mind. That's, that's not Bible, and this Bible is what we live by, not by our feelings. Everybody understand? As I've had some really, really close, dear loved ones of mine that have left here. And uh, I've never, I've only asked God about one individual, and that was my own daddy. After that, I didn't want to know anymore. Everybody understand? Because 
<laughs> he might answer me with an answer that I don't want to hear. You see. And uh, so we, we have to be careful with that. The righteous people, they're going to heaven. Holy people, they're going to heaven. The Bible says without holiness, we won't see God. Only holy people going to heaven. Everybody understand? You're not going to be out doing what you want to do and, and acting a fool and, and, and spending eternity with God. Holiness is what's going to heaven. How many of you see that sign every time you turn into that? Holiness is not what? It ain't. It's not, not if you want to see God. It's not an option. It's the only way. Everybody understand? All right. Now that I done scared y'all. <laughs> you know, the Bible says godly sorrow leads to repentance. People don't get godly sorrow without hearing, okay, about hell. Everybody understand? Yeah, God don't wait until you get to the end of this street to tell you you're on a dead end. He tell you when you, you see the sign at the beginning of the street, dead end. Everybody understand? No, he don't wait till you get to the end there. Adam and Eve might have lived another five or six hundred years. We know they lived to be over 900 years old. And they might have lived to be another, uh, uh, might have lived another 600 years after they had done what they'd done. But God told him from the jump, if you eat of that tree, you're going to die. Everybody understand? So God lets us know the end before we, before we get there, before we get to that point. He lets us know he's warning us the whole time. And sometimes people don't like it. Just let me drive down this road and see for myself. Don't you drop off in hell before you realize it's real and what, what this Bible says is true. It's true. Everybody understand? There is a, 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 there is a real burning place that people are in today that can't get out, that's got just as much of a conscience, the same way you can think now, that they can think. And they're down there wondering, what, why did I wait? Why did I say one more time? Why, why did I play? And you know the unfortunate thing about that is when you go there, you can't, you're not coming out of there. There ain't, no, there ain't no coming out of there. This would be a whole different ministry if people got sentenced there. Well, you do 30 years and then you get out. You didn't do that much, 20 years and you get out. Oh, you just had a lying spirit? That's not, you didn't do too much harm. Two years and you get out. Oh, you didn't like people because of the color of their skin? One year and you get out. You'll learn your lesson by then. There's none of that. None of that. And we name different things for a reason. Without holiness, it's impossible. You will not see God, regardless of where you think it is on your personal sin scale. Lying spirit, hell bound. Unforgiveness, hell bound. Bitterness, hell bound. Forever. Don't die with all of that. Everybody understand? Amen. Get rid of that junk because it all, God only has one thing in his arsenal that gets you out of there. Holiness. Amen. Everybody understand? 
the devil got all kind of stuff. If he can't get you with adultery because you, you were cheated on once before, he can get you with unforgiveness. He got all kind of stuff out there that he, can, that he can get people to go to hell behind. God only got one thing that lets you escape, holiness. Everybody see? So let's, let's stop thinking about that, that sin scale. It may be a sin scale, but it's all leading to hell. All of it. Let's get out of it. Everybody understand? Don't you play with unforgiveness. Don't play with that. If you're the type of person, you, you like to hold on to stuff for a couple of days, you know, put people on timeout for, you better get rid of that. Because one of these days you're going to put somebody on a timeout and then you're going to be on a permanent one. You get rid of that. You ask, that ain't nothing but pride. Who do you think you are to hold something against somebody? Everybody understand? You'd have to think you were God to be able to hold something over somebody's head. You get rid of that. Don't you, don't you let the devil catch you in that. It ain't nothing to forgive somebody when you realize your own junk that you've been forgiven for. It, it's not hard when you see yourself. Everybody understand? When you see the mud that God has pulled you out of, you can't hold somebody else accountable because they're they coming out the same mud you were in. We were all muddy until the Lord pulled us out and washed us. So don't, don't let the devil play that game. That's a, that's a dangerous game. I'm going to just put you on a timeout. I'm going to give you the silent treatment. You're going to ask me questions I'm not going to answer. I'm going to let you know that you hurt me. <laughs> and you praying for what? You singing to the Lord for what? <laughs> you quit playing. That's, uh, that's foolishness. That's, that's child brattiness is what it is. That's what children do. Everybody understand? We had a family here who was a part of this ministry one time, and the lady told us her little boy, she took him, she made him go to school on the first day, and he didn't talk to her for a week. A little child. So I, and I asked her, well, what did he eat? <laughs> he must have had a job in some food stash somewhere. He wouldn't have been propping his knees under my table and giving me the silent treatment. You're going to do that in your room. You go to your room till you work it out. I tell you, that's a quick fix to snap your children out of that mess. You're not going to come in, in, in my face with the pouty face letting me know you're disappointed. You go in your room and work that out with God. Everybody understand? And now some of our parents, they didn't do that. Oh, what's wrong? Are you okay? Yeah, he, he fine. He ain't got bills to pay, so he is fine. He is doing better. He is blessed beyond measure. <laughs> We're not about to play this game with somebody that ain't got credit cards. <laughs>
Hmm. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's go to the fourth chapter of the book of Luke. Fourth chapter of the book of Luke, and we're going to start reading at verse 16. It says, and, and he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. Everybody see that word custom? What does that mean? That every Sabbath he was in there. In, in the synagogue reading. He had a custom, and that wasn't his only custom. Now, when we read the word custom in the Bible like this, it's talking about structure. Jesus Christ had structure. Everybody understand? Now, I'm gonna tell you, structure lives outside of feelings. If you're a person that's led by your emotions, you, you don't want structure. You just want to freelance your whole life. The day I feel like praying, the more I don't. So I'm not going to pray. I do how I feel. And then we blame it on being led and, you know, by the Spirit. I'm led by the Spirit. The day I feel like praying, the day I don't. Tomorrow I won't. Jesus Christ has structure. Everybody understand? Yeah, if he didn't, we'd all be in trouble. If he was led by his emotions, we would be in some trouble. Wouldn't be no such thing as church today. Not the real one anyway, you see. So he had structure. He had a custom. Things that he did on a regular basis that wasn't anything else going to cut into. Everybody see? All right, so let's go and keep reading. Verse 17, And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody see that? Now you pay close attention to what he's saying here. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, but that wasn't the only thing he was supposed to do. He didn't just preach the gospel to the poor. What does gospel mean? Good news. In other words, you don't have to be bound by sin anymore. You're no longer under the law. You don't have to sacrifice your animals anymore. It's somebody here that's going to be the last sacrifice. That's the gospel. Somebody stood in your stead. Somebody else took your punishment. Now, let me make this clear. The gospel don't become real to you until your sins have become real. The gospel means absolutely nothing to you if you're self-righteous. If you don't know your junk, if you see yourself as halfway good, the gospel of Jesus Christ don't mean anything to you. That's the reason why in the book of Acts, when they were preaching, they had to tell the people, you crucified the son of God. 
your sins put him on that cross. Then they say, well, brother, what must we do to be saved? Other than that, it wouldn't have meant anything to them. They, they, they had to realize what their sins were. Everybody understand? They had to realize I was in deep trouble. And all of our sins put them there. We didn't have to be there physically. All of our sins put them there. But the, that don't mean anything to you if you're already okay. Listen, and I'm talking to us today. And I pray we hear it. Don't be the individual that came to the Lord because nothing else worked out. Because you're just down on your luck and you need to try the Lord. Because that won't last. Because after a while, your luck going to pick up. You're going to start being able to pay your bills again. Your marriage going to be on the upswing, especially during income tax season. Yeah, everybody in a good mood then. Everybody get along when they got money in the bank. <laughs> everybody understand. <laughs> you know I'm not lying. Everybody was praising God. <laughs> At the end of February, the beginning of March. <laughs> we, <laughs> I can call so how are you and your wife weak, Brother Bolden? I don't know what the Lord is doing. <laughs> <laughs> he is doing a work in my house. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll talk to you at the at the beginning of April. See how this. <laughs> Don't be an income tax Christian. <laughs> God is good when we broke too. <laughs> so many people make the mistake they come to the Lord when they've been inconvenienced in life. And while God may use that, now that's a part of it, you know, that's just automatic. When we don't live for, the, for God, we're going to be inconvenienced, especially. And we, we're going to notice stuff is going worse than what it should be going. Why am I doing worse? And a lot of times that's God's pull. But as God draws you in and you get closer to him, you ought to become more aware of your sin nature. You ought to become more aware of your sin because, listen, we were all out in the world not, and, and thinking that we weren't as bad as some other people. We were all out there just doing stuff and thinking, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, no, nah, I'm bad. I'm, I admit I'm a bad person, but I'm not pooking them. I'm not out robbing, killing. I ain't, I ain't doing nobody any harm. That's one of the biggest lies the devil ever say. If you living in sin, you doing you and your family harm. And so we have to come to this place where we realize we needed God because we were born on our way to hell. We were born going there. Not because we just had some bad luck. 
the bad luck or whatever you want to call it, that was the fruit of our lack of a relationship with God. Everybody see? So if we're going to know, if we're going to appreciate the gospel, we have to know good news ain't good news if everything is already good. Everybody understand? And so when people, when they, you know, a lot of times when people hear that, the, the gospel, preaching the gospel, they think a happy, joy message. Just the opposite is true. It's not, the God, it's not good news to you unless I share with you the bad news. The bad news is you're on your way to hell. The good news is Jesus Christ came and went there for you. Everybody understand? You think about how just in our nature, God have even already programmed us for that, for that bad news, good news. How so? If, if I ask you, look, I got, I got some news for you. I got some good, bad news and good news. What do you want to hear first? What are people going to say? I want to hear the bad news first. It's, we've already programmed to hear the bad news first. Why? Because then we take that punch in the gut, and then we're ready and primed for the good news. Okay, give me something good to, to boost me up from this place. That's what it is, see? It's not good news unless you first hear bad news. Other than that, if it was all the same, it would just be news. Everybody see? So he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Everybody see who he's preaching the gospel to? The poor. You know what that means? People that's down. People that's ready to hear it. It's hard to preach the gospel to people that's, that's already going to heaven in their minds. That just, that I'm a good person. Everybody see? All right. So everybody see who the gospel is for? It's for poor people. Now, we're not talking, that's not, that word poor, that doesn't mean no money. It's not talking about that kind of poor. It's talking about your spirit, that you are in a place now where you can hear it. Everybody understand? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody see that? Now, you know what's sad to me? We got a whole world full of people that are brokenhearted. And Jesus is saying, I didn't come just to save you. I come to, to, to give you the whole package. How many of you ever went through those automatic car washes where you drive up, you know, you drive up and they just pull your car through? How many of you spending just $6 every time? $7. And that, that's salvation. Thank God I done went through this car wash. I, I look clean. But you know, just like those car washes, God got premium packages. He didn't come just to save you. He come to heal you. That's part of what salvation is. God don't want you going to heaven with a broken heart. And it's got a whole world of, of people that are brokenhearted. But the problem is they pretend. You'll know them because they're going to always be the life of the party. They're going out of their way to try to prove there's nothing wrong with them. Everybody understand? They're doing all kinds of things. Going on vacation, they're doing all kinds of things, trying to get past that broken heart, trying to prove because they think a broken heart makes them look weak. No, it just makes you human. You live long enough, somebody will break your heart. Something will happen that will disappoint you. 
there's nothing wrong with confessing, you know, Lord, I'm hurting right now, and I really need for you to heal me. And people don't do that. I'm, I got, I'm strong. I got to be there for people. And you know, that type of individual, by the time they get old, if they get old, they, they broken, they bitter because they feel used because they, every time they went to a party, they were clowning and, and cheering everybody up and then they go home depressed. So they feel used. I was just, I've always been here for people, you know. So he said that he had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody see? To preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So he says to set at liberty. That means that they're cuffed. People that are bruised are handcuffed. They're bound. And Jesus says that he was sent to set those people at liberty. What people? The people that are bruised. Now here's the thing about a bruise. It's bleeding under the skin, beneath the surface. That's what a bruise is. You can punch somebody. You know, I've heard when I was watching boxing, I, I, you know, people could get KO'd, TKO'd with a body shot. You can damage somebody's kidneys if you punch them hard enough in it. Everybody understand? On the outside, they may look fine. They don't have a hole in their body, but on the inside, those blood vessels have broken and they are bruised. What do people do when they're bruised, if, especially if it looks nasty? They cover it up. And, maybe, and they may not even be aware of the damage that has been done. In their minds, I'm just hurting. But it, it'll heal on its own. Uh, there was a man who was the governor of Louisiana at one time. When he was killed, he was uh, running for president. His name was Huey P. Long. They got a bridge named after him. Uh, a real powerful man, and people were afraid of the things that he was going to do if he had become president, so they assassinated him right there in the capital of Louisiana, in, in Baton Rouge. Huey P. Long, he was walking up, I think at that time he was a, a senator, a U.S. senator. He was in the capitol building in Baton Rouge, you, you can, the, the building is still there, and if you go in that building, you'll still see the bullet holes in there. Uh, in the walls where he was walking up the stair staircase and somebody uh, walking in the hallway and somebody met him out there and they shot him. They shot him several floors up. He walked himself down the stairs. He got in a vehicle and drove and, and went to the hospital. While he was in the hospital, he's telling people, he, he asked, well, you know, who was this fellow that killed him, uh, that shot him? They told him, he said, well, what, what, you know, so he's having a whole discussion. And he's telling his staff, don't tell anybody that this man shot me. Don't, you know, of course, they had, he had been shot. Uh, one of his bodyguards saw him and shot him. They shot him and killed him right there in the hall. But he's saying, look, don't, don't publish this in the media. Just let me handle it when I get out of here. You know, we'll just, we'll just deal with it. You know, let me, just, let me finish recuperating and stuff like that, and we'll handle it. 
So then they came and got him. They brought him into surgery. They removed uh, the bullet and stitched him up, and he's still doing well. But somewhere around 2.30, between 2.30 and 3 in the morning, he died. The, the bullet had nicked his liver, and they overlooked it. You can pull a bullet out of somebody, and they still bleed to death. And that's what happened to him. Talking, walked himself down to his car. Somebody drove him to the hospital. He's talking just as normal. But bleeding on the inside. <clears throat> and that's the way people are. They'll bleed in silence. And so Jesus said that he's come to set them, come to set at liberty them that are bruised, the people that are bleeding on the inside. That's God's desire. Oftentimes, people have problems. If they're bleeding on the inside, if they're hurting on the inside like that, they, everywhere they go, they're having the same issue. That's one sign you know that you're bleeding on the inside. When everywhere you go, it's the same stuff. No, it's, it's not. People are the same. You're the same. If everywhere you go, you, you find yourself running into the same type of people, it's not the same type of people you're running into. It's only one common denominator in that equation. That's you. Bruised. Hurt. Everybody understand? And hurt has a way of seeing through its past. Everybody understand? And so that's not God's will. The Bible says, Jesus said that he come to set at liberty them that are bruised. Bleeding on the inside. And so how do you know you're bleeding? When people have a sore spot. If somebody is bruised naturally so and you go to touch it and when you touch it, it hurts. And so when a person knows they're bruised and Jesus Christ sends his word to try to touch it, what are they going to do? They're going to jump back. They get offended. Easy. They guard that hurt spot. Everybody understand? So when a person has been bruised or hurt, godly counsel and good advice looks like an attack to them. They feel like they're being attacked. Everybody understand? And people who are hurt, now listen, let me make this clear for those of us who are dealing with this. If people love you and they see something wrong in your life, that love is going to compel them to tell you. Everybody understand? That love is going to compel them to tell you about what they see wrong. They're going to help you, try to help you fix whatever is wrong. But if you're bruised, you see that as an attack. And you are the individual. You won't have any group of friends. You might have one or two individuals around you that's just as bruised as you are, and y'all just done learn how not to touch certain subjects. 
But you won't be able to make friends everywhere. You'll be the type of individual you don't get close to anybody. I remember when my niece, niece first moved up here and she first went to school. On her first day, she came home. I said, uh, Yanira, did you make any friends? She said, no, sir. You know, this girl come up to me trying to talk to me and I told her, I don't make friends on the first day. <laughs> so that's become a little inside joke with my wife and I, you know. She'll cook something or do something. I said, no, I don't make friends on the first day. I don't. <laughs> that's the way people are. Now, we're not crazy naturally, so God intended for us to touch one another. Everybody understand? He intended for us to get close to other people. If he wanted you to live in this world by yourself, he's powerful enough. He could have made everybody their own world and put them in it, except he didn't. He stacked seven billion people on this one little bitty earth here because he intended on us touching each other, getting to know one another. But if you're bruised, you can't get close to people because every time I let my guards down, don't accept that lie. It ain't you letting your guards down. Everybody understand? You, you just need to heal from that hurt. You won't have any guards at all to let down or up. Heal people don't have guards at all. Everybody understand? Because I don't assume God gates it for people that want to live safe. I don't assume that everybody's out to rob me. I, I don't assume that people that I come in contact with just automatically they're going to do something to me. They're just going to automatically hurt me. That's, if, if that's your assumption, then you're, you're who I'm talking to. You're hurt. You're bruised. Everybody understand? And that's not God's will. You'll be an old, those people, when they get old, they become bitter. Can't get along with anybody. Now, people that are bruised, they, they don't, they, to them, help looks like an attack. And so just by default, a, a switch is flipped where they automatically push people away. They don't get close to people. Now, they may be just natural, so one of the most friendliest people you ever meet. But they're not going to get close. So how do you know when they're bruised, when you walk up on them to help them with something? How do you know what area you're bruised in if, if it's a subject that's taboo to you? Everybody understand? Now, we're not going to talk about that today. No, we're not going to talk about that today. No, I don't want to talk about that. If it's a subject that's taboo, everybody understand. That's, that's part of having guards up, especially between husband and wife. Like, to me, if y'all not ashamed to be naked in front of each other, y'all, you know, done made babies, it ought not to be any subject that you can't discuss. That's a crazy, twisted mind. Y'all can stand and look at each other naked and come together, but you, no, we can't talk about that. Everybody understand? That's not, that's not God's will. 
So it's important that when somebody's been bruised that they locate that hurt. They need to figure out where they bruised that. And that's how you know. Just think about what subject you don't want to talk about. Or, or, how, or at what point do you begin to push people away? Everybody understand? Now let me make this clear because some of us, maybe we're not aware of it. Some of you got ten hands to push people away with. And it's not just flat out, you know what, I don't want to talk to you anymore. When you are bruised, you take on some nasty ways. That's automatic. Bruised people are nasty. And they're not nasty, they're not trying to be mean on purpose. But that's the way they safeguard themselves. I'm not going to be. When you're, when you're around me and you're irking me because you're trying to help me and I'm seeing it as an attack, I'm not going to be the most friendly person. And if you continue on with it, the, the nastier I'm going to get. I'm going to walk in. I'm not going to shake your hand on purpose. My mind isn't in, on anywhere else. I see you coming towards me, and I know you're going to reach out and try to shake my hand or hug me. I don't want to do that, so I'm going to turn away and act like I don't see you. I see you coming down one aisle of the church. I'm going to walk around on the other aisle. And I'm going to cut through these benches, and I'm going to walk on top of people to get there. Because I'm bruised, and I don't want to be healed. Everybody understand? That's the only way, a bruised person, that's the only way you can have a problem with somebody that ain't never done you anything. You have to be bruised for everybody to be suspect. Everybody understand? I'm one of those people, I don't believe for one minute, you know, and I, if you've told that lie, you get rid of that lie. That trust has to be earned. People are not to start off on the bottom with you. Everybody understand? Now, I can see you having trust issues if somebody has actually done something to violate that trust. But give them a chance to violate it. Listen, let me make this clear. You cannot advance and grow in the love of God if you have trust issues. That's what love is. Love, trust, it makes itself vulnerable. And if you're the type of person you can't be vulnerable, then it's impossible for you to have the love of God on the inside of you. You have to be vulnerable. And that's what people don't want. They don't want to be exposed. I don't want to make, put myself out there for somebody to hurt me. Well, that's assuming that people are trying to hurt you. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I've had my feet stepped on plenty of times. But I ain't never one time took it personal. Because I know if I got feet that extend from my body and somebody else got feet that extend from theirs, we might step on each other's feet, literally. I'm not going to take it personal, but that's life. Somebody going to say something to rub you the wrong way, but it's not because they're being mean-spirited. Everybody understand? So if it rub you the wrong way, what does that mean? That, that wherever they're rubbing you at the wrong way, that's where you bruise that. That's where you hurt. Everybody understand?
If a woman has ever been called ugly, if a woman has ever been made to feel unpretty at all ever in her life, if she don't get over that, she'll be bruised. And she will be the type of woman, until the Lord get a hold of her, she'll be the type of woman, she'll go out of her way to fix that problem. Everybody understand? I've seen women who maybe the world would consider unattractive, and maybe they tried a couple of relationships with men and it didn't work. The devil will run them straight into lesbianism. Because they may feel like, well, you know, ain't no use in me fixing myself up because men aren't attracted to me anyway. So I just go shave my head and look like a boy since people tell me, I, you know, since I'm not attractive as a woman. The devil uses hurt to bind people. They don't know that, that when they run to that, they take it on a spirit. And you may get into that and you may want to come out of that. It's going to take the power of God to get you out of that when all you had to do before was just read about what God's word says about you. Meek and quiet spirit. That, that's what's of great price. Everybody understand? So what happens is people, when they've been hurt, they build, the walls of pride are built to protect that hurt. Does everybody understand? Does everybody see the connection? If somebody tell me that I'm ugly, I'm gonna go out of my way, I'm gonna buy all the nice clothes, I'm gonna fish for compliments. And somewhere, Everybody understand? I might can't fix ugly, but I can dress it up real nice. And ugly can drive a nice car. And ugly can go to college and get a nice job. And ugly can buy a nice house in a nice neighborhood where you have to punch in keys to get in. Ugly can do all of that. I'm approved to you. Everybody understand? But when Ugly is going to college, and when Ugly is signing a loan for a good car, a nice house and all of that, what is the motivation for Ugly doing that? Pride. You may think of me this way, but you wait until I get done racking up all these student loans. You wait until I get into that house I can't afford. <laughs> Everybody understand? <laughs> I'm going to show you. <laughs> Everybody see? You see why it's important for us to heal from whatever we've been bruised at? We better get over that. That'll save us a whole lot of trouble. Just letting the Lord heal us. Everybody understand? If you have your Bibles, let's go to the 18th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. 
Now, you know, sometimes uh, the Lord is something. You know, I, uh, when he's giving me a message, I'll be, I'll be thinking that it's about one thing, and, uh, but oftentimes it's about something else, especially when he first started giving, it, started giving me messages. Oftentimes, that's the way it happens. He'll give me a branch, and I'll be thinking, okay, Lord, so this is what you want me to preach on. He's like, no, this is a branch. This is the trunk here. This is what I want you to preach on. But what I'm giving you now is just a branch of it, you see. Everybody there, the 18th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. We're going to start reading. We're going to start reading at verse 9. Now, let me set this up for you. So David, of course, this is part of his story. David had already slept with Bathsheba. The prophet Nathan had already pronounced to him that the sword would never leave his house because of it, because he had Bathsheba's husband killed. And so now David is living in the fruit of what he has sown. So at this point, uh, David has been run out of the kingdom by his son. Absalom and Absalom has pursued David to try to kill him I imagine and David is staying away from him to keep from fighting with him So, of course, you know the story about what started all of that was David had other children, Tamar and Amnon, and uh, Tamar was Absalom's sister. They had the same mother as well, and Amnon was by another woman, and Amnon wanted to sleep with Tamar, and so he eventually slept with her and then sent her back home. And when Absalom got wind of it, he killed Amnon. And he was afraid that his daddy was going to do something to him, so then he fled. Now, David was hurt, but at some point, David forgave uh, Absalom and told him he can come back, you know, into Israel. So let's read, uh, let's start reading at verse 9. It says, And Absalom met the servant of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule, and the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak, and his head caught hold. Of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and, un and, uh, and told Joab, and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man, that told him, and behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. 
Otherwise, I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life, for there is no matter hid from the king, and thou, and thou thyself wouldst have set thyself against me. <clears throat> then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. Now this is a king's son, David's son. And one of his servants had enough sense to know, you know, you're not going to kill this man's son. I don't care what he's done. done. You don't get to kill him and think you, you're not going to have an enemy in David. <clears throat> but, but Joab did it anyway. Killed him while he was hanging from that tree. And you would wonder, what in the world? How did a king's son, how did he end up dying this way? Well, let's, let's go back over the history here. <clears throat> if, if you read that story and what we've already shared before, you'll see that Absalom, when Amnon slept with his sister Tamar and then sent her home. Now, of course, you know what, I've told you what that meant. You know, it meant that Tamar wouldn't be able to get married. Whoever took a woman's virginity, he had to marry her. If he didn't, the woman was, was deemed defiled. And she basically, no man would want to marry her. You know, they, everybody wanted the, you know, everybody wanted a wife that was just theirs, if that make any sense. They want to be dealing with all this other stuff that comes with folks, and I'm gonna tell you, it's still that way. Whatever demon somebody had who you slept with in the past, if you haven't got delivered, you still got those demons. Everybody understand? Sex is the fastest way to get possessed. Everybody understand? You don't have to have an interest in anything your ex was doing. You might have known what you were just way out there with all that you doing crazy stuff. You sleep with them. You're going you gonna to be down that road too. Everybody understand? That's, that's a fast way to get possession. Everybody understand? Now, other ways of possession is through your own interest, through your own lust. Everybody understand? Through your own lust. So if I got a lust for money, I might be, have a devil that'll get me to go out and rob a bank. But that ain't got to be anywhere on my mind if I sleep with somebody that that's in. Everybody understand? So that, that's a devil. It's all kind of stuff connect when, you, when you're doing that. And folks back then, they knew better. Now, I don't want to deal with that. So he sent Tamar home with that sentence. You'll never be married. And Absalom didn't like it. Now, let me tell you what happened here. Absalom knew how great his dad was. He knew about his daddy's reputation. But he also knew about his daddy's passion. He knew his daddy was a compassionate man. So how many of you know Absalom killed Amnon? Why didn't Absalom allow his daddy to handle the situation? 
He would have had compassion on him. He, he, knew, he knew David wasn't going to kill Amnon. So everybody understand that. He, he understood. Absalom understood. Daddy ain't going to kill Amnon. But I want to kill him. So let's, let's go beneath the surface now. What was Absalom's real problem? He did not respect his daddy. If he had respected his daddy, he would have honored whatever decision his daddy would have made. So Adonai, I'm, I'm trying to show us, us today. My mama and daddy raised me this way, but I'm going to be another way. They handle it this way, but I'm not. I'm going to handle it this way. Everybody understand? And what it does, at the end of your life, you caught in between the heaven and earth, hanging in a tree somewhere. Because you're so much better than your parents. Everybody understand? Does everybody see the connection there? You get to the point where if you continue down that road, you become so full of pride, you'll get just like Absalom. You know what? I'm such I'm so much better than him. I'm gonna take over, I'm gonna take over his own kingdom. And I'm gonna disregard God's will to do it. Yeah, I know God made him king. But so what? Everybody understand? You know how full of yourself you have to be? Your daddy's King David, and you done heard about all the great exploits he's done, and you come up here with your peon self, and you think you're going to run him out? You know how much full of pride you have to be to think that you're going to raise your children better than your parents raised you? Now, I'm not saying not to do better. What I'm saying is don't have pride about it. If you didn't live in the same situation your parents went through, you can't make that judgment call about how much better you are than they are. If you didn't go through the exact same things they gone through, that they went through, you can't say what kind of decisions you would have made. Everybody understand? You think of it this way. They were out there picking grapes, picking berries for you, and they got all kind of sores on their hands from getting stuck with thorns. They come inside with the grapes and, and, and berries, and you eating them, saying, well, you know, if it was me, I wouldn't have all that on my hand. I wouldn't, be all, I wouldn't have all them sores on my hand like that. That's crazy. But you eating it. Don't tell me nothing if your parents raised you and you still got something raggedy to say about them. They fed you and you still got something to say. You put God in a position to fight against you with that pride. Everybody understand? And I'm going to tell you something. Many people, grown folks, try, they, they 
are going in a downward spiral trying to prove their parents wrong. Everybody understand? Trying to prove a point. Now, here's the thing. While you're trying to prove his point, God's going to have a point to prove. And you're not going to like it. It ain't going to never go well with you as long as you're not honoring your parents. It, it ain't going to ever go well. I don't, everybody understand? I don't care how raggedy you think they are. It won't go well with you when you don't honor your parents. You better get over those bruises. That's Bible. I don't care how they did you wrong. I don't care about any of that. If you don't honor your parents, it will not go well with you. Everybody understand? It will not. That's Bible. And what do we mean when we say honor? Part of it is trying to outdo them. I'm a race with them. I'm going to prove that I'm a better person than they are. That's not honoring them. It's one thing if your daddy or your mama tell you, you know what, son or daughter, I did this wrong. This was some mistakes I made when you were growing up. Don't, but don't you make those mistakes. It's one thing if you take that and run, like, okay, mama, yeah, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be better than that. Pray for me that I can be better. It's a whole other thing when you take that, you the only one having that conversation. Everybody understand? You done made a, you were rebellious when, whenever you were going through what, they, what you were going through as a child. And with that rebellious mind, you've already pegged them. You weren't a good parent at all. You'll only get so far in God with that mindset. We, we better honor them parents. Everybody understand? Except you become as a little child. I mean, you've seen children out playing on the playground and another child mistreating them. And they go right on back out and play. Oh, you didn't mean you didn't mean to do that. You didn't mean to poke me in the eye with them scissors. I'll be fine. I'm 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 okay. Except you become as a little child. That's the way we better be. Mama, you didn't mean to put me in that oven with the turkey. You know, and it was cold, I, you know. You better take on the mind, um, the mind of a child. You better not see any harm. Everybody understand? Because if your unforgiveness causes you to dishonor them, it will not be well with you. That's Bible. Everybody understand? So here's Absalom. Daddy ain't going to handle it the way I wanted to handle it. So I'm just going to take it upon myself to do it my way. So he had an issue with the way his daddy did things. 
Let's go now to the 15th chapter of 2 Samuel. Start reading at verse 1. Now this is after Absalom have come back. It says, And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. See there? What, now, what you're saying to me, I, now, I understand what you're saying. I, I really see your, your cause in this matter. But daddy, he ain't even got nobody set aside to hear what you got to say. See there? Everybody see? Let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 4, Absalom said, Moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. I would be a much better individual than my daddy. Everybody see that? What did we read first about this? What, what was the first, where did we start at when we started reading about Absalom? What was he doing? Hanging in a tree by his hair? Helpless and about to get killed. Why? Because he was so much better than his daddy. He had a point to prove. And he went to the death before his daddy. Everybody understand? It will not go well with you when you don't honor your parents. If you don't get over those bruises, Jesus Christ have come to heal those bruises. It shouldn't be a such thing as a hurt believer. Verse 5, and it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and did what? Kissed him. In other words, I will accept everybody but my own parents. That's what rebellion looked like. Your parents raise you and feed you all your life, and then you become a teenager, and you get to knowing everything about their, what there is to know. You become a brat, and you make all these friends, and no longer your parents are no longer cool. I don't want to hang around you. I'm going to go make friends with everybody that goes against the rules that my parents have set in this house. And then I'm going to wonder, what in the world is going on in my life 30 years later? What am I doing? What am I doing up here in this tree? Why am I hanging here? Everybody understand? Because you kissed everybody that agreed with your foolishness. 
you made friends with folks that weren't going to correct you. Everybody understand? You lived a lie. How did Absalom live a lie? You don't think for one minute that it wasn't two people on, on either side of the case coming to him and him telling them the same thing. A had a problem with B. A came on Monday, B came on Tuesday, and they were both being told the same thing. You know, if I was, if I was a judge in Israel, I'd, I'd, I'd rule in your favor. Lies. And that's what people do when they don't honor their parents, when they don't abide by the rules that their parents have set. They make friends with any and everything. Everybody understand? They'd rather be around people that's going to tell them what they want to hear, and they'll do the same. You tell me what I want to hear, and I'll tell you what you want to hear. Everybody understand? Verse 6, And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom, what did he do? Stole the hearts of the men of Israel. What does that mean? Every time I talk about my parents, I'm only going to say what I thought they did wrong. They did something right, and you still alive? If they dropped you, they must have had a cushion somewhere. Everybody understand? How many of you ever had held a little bitty baby? How many of you, when you holding that little old bitty thing in your hands, you know, man, it could, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this one. Because stuff can go wrong. Everybody understand? You know how delicate they are. How many of you, I want to see a show of hands, how many of you ever held a newborn? How many of you ever knew when you held that newborn, man, it's going to take some grace from you to get to this point to adulthood. I'm going to have to be careful with you. I'm going to have to wrap you up when it's cold outside. You're a little bitty thing. You can't fend for yourself. How many of you that ever came to you? Like, man, we... So if your parents raised you, they didn't sit you out with the dogs and, and let the dog breastfeed you. Let them pull, let them pick you up by the back of your neck like a puppy. They took care of you. They handled you with care. You're not retarded, so you know they've done something right. And you, with your ungrateful self, you forget about all of that. How many of us in here are over 15? Okay, we all, so most of us are over 15. How many of us still walking around with a diaper rash? Yeah. So somebody changed you. Everybody understand? Now, we may have had some diaper rashes, you know, when we were five months old or whatever. But they did something to get rid of that. They don't just go away on their own. I can promise you that. We better find something to honor our parents with. Everybody understand? No, it wasn't all bad. 
My neck is still straight, so I know they weren't dropping me on my head. Everybody understand? They took care of us. But what the devil will do, he will get you to focus in on one thing and you just throw it all away. This is going to be my bruise. You whooped me one too many times. You got mad and you did things out of anger. Now I'm going to tell you what the problem is with that. I guarantee you, if you think long and hard enough, you're going to see yourself doing the exact same thing that they've done. You are going to see yourself. Everybody understand? God makes it that way. Now, if you don't believe that, you go to the sixth chapter of the book of Galatians and start reading at verse 1. You become what you can't forgive. So if we know that our parents gave birth to us, they, they had to handle us with care. They didn't bring you home from the hospital and just toss you on a sofa somewhere. You didn't feed yourself. And the way you have to think about it is you, you can't hold people accountable who didn't know God. God spared a whole city because they didn't know him. He said those people don't know their left hand from their right hand. They don't know any better. Listen, God spared you because you didn't know any better. And you think with your self-righteous self that you're going to be able to escape the judgment of God? Does everybody understand? No way in this world you're going to escape judgment from God when you got our forgiveness in your hearts, when you've been bruised. Now, God will say, okay, yeah, I can see that bruise. But you know what he says? Shut up about it. No, I don't want to hear nothing about your past. Now, I don't want to hear about what you think, how you've done, been done wrong. God didn't come to be your ear. He come with medicine. Everybody understand? God is not your psychiatrist. <laughs> he comes with medicine. He don't want to hear that same, he's been hearing, he's been listening to folks complain to him for years, for thousands of years. A whole bunch of folks had complaints about their parents. It didn't just start with you. You better get rid of that Cain complex. Everybody understand? Now, that's one thing about God. If I don't know anything else, I know that. He don't want to hear any complaining or murmuring. None of that. You still alive? Shut up. Be still. And let me put this medicine on you. That's all he's concerned about. Everybody understand? You go to the ER with a broke leg. They don't care too much about how you broke it. They don't want to hear your life story. We got other people to see. Let me tape this piece of two by four to your leg and you walk on out of here. Everybody understand? And you know, when folks have been bruised, they get mad when you don't want to hear about the bruise, when you don't want to hear about all of that. 
I don't want to hear that. I'm telling you what Jesus Christ came to do. Let's fix it. You ain't got to ever talk about it again. And I don't want to see the fruit of it a week from now either. Everybody understand? And you may say, well, I'm, I'm healed. So why are you still talking about it? Shut up about it. Everybody understand? I'm telling you, people live in that place. That's the reason why when the Lord came across people, he could see they were missing a head. And he still asked, so what do you want me to do for you? Because everybody don't want a head. Everybody understand? I'm telling you, everybody don't want to be healed. Some people like swimming in that. And the problem is, just look at the fruit. Look at the fruit of your life. Look at how many relationships you've damaged. It wasn't everybody else, it was you. That victim's mentality, that's, that's, that's all it is. When you're a victim of somebody that have changed your diapers, you something else. How many of you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth? You were born to millionaires. Me neither. And I ain't mad about it. Everybody understand? I'm not mad at all. I thank God for my parents. Everybody understand? They did something right. I'm still here. We better get to that place of honor. We ought to have a lot of things to say about both of our parents. Not just mama, not just daddy, both of them. It took both of them to make you. You ought to have some good stuff to say about both of them. It don't mean that we don't know what was wrong. God is not telling you to turn a blind eye to it and not know what was wrong. But I'm going to tell you this. When your children become 18 and 20, they're going to be able to say some stuff about you too. Everybody understand? So we better get over those bruises. We better ask the Lord to heal us and quit toting that around. Those are the harm. That's the harm that bruises does. That's the harm that hurt does. When people are hurt, they, they come out swinging. And they hurt other people around them because of it. Don't make a God out of that hurt. Everybody understand? It's God's will for people to be healed. That's the only, that's the only way you can be functional. The most dysfunctional people. Now, that's, that, this is what's crazy. People think because they're getting through life and they're able to pay bills that they're not dysfunctional. Hurt people automatically dysfunctional. Automatically. Can't remain friends with people very long. Can't stand, just would rather be off to themselves. That's hurt. Everybody understand? That's bruised. As long as you remain bruised, you're not going to do God any good.
I think that's something. That the Lord Jesus Christ have come to this earth to set at liberty them that are bruised. And we have people in church walking around wanting to be bruised. Jesus Christ does not deny what we've gone through in our past. But I'm going to tell you what, he doesn't violate free will. Everybody understands. He does not violate free will. The same way he didn't violate your parents' free will, just like he didn't violate yours. And unfortunately, sometimes we live with the fruit of people's free will. Everybody understands. Just like your children go live with the fruit of yours. So you can't get mad at somebody else's free will and then excuse yours. Everybody understand? Let me say that again. You can't get mad at somebody else's free will and excuse yours. So let's allow the Lord to heal us of that hurt. Let's allow him to set us free from what, we, what has bruised us. And let's all of us, let's think along these lines. What areas are we bruised in? What areas are a sore spot for us? Whatever it is, let's expose it and let's allow the Lord to heal us of that so that we don't push people away that God is sending to help us along the way. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this message. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us plainly today. Lord, I pray for everyone that's here today, everyone that's under the sound of my voice. Lord, I ask that you will set the people free who need to be free today, Lord. Lord, I ask that you will give them a heart to release whatever it is they need to release. God, I pray that you will be glorified, Lord, in their lives. Heal them, Lord. Touch them in those places that they have guarded. God, I ask that you will have your way in their lives. Lord, I pray that you uncover those things that they may have forgotten about and heal them in those places as well. We know about your power, Lord, and we know that you are real. And Lord, I ask that today that you make your power known. Lord, I pray that everyone that's hearing my voice today, that you won't let one of them escape without being healed. Lord, we know you're according to your word that you sent your word to heal us. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will convict what needs to be convicted and will turn us and point us in the right direction, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for caring enough for us to come in flesh so that we can be healed from our bruises. And we'll give you the honor, Lord. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. So if the Lord will, we'll meet up a little later today and uh, we'll talk more about what we've heard. So if that's all now, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.